Welcome to the Asbury Behem podcast. This summer, our pastors are helping us study many of the parables of Jesus contained in the Gospel of Matthew in both modern and traditional worship. In addition, Pastor Michael Bowman and Adult Ministry Director Robin White offer this weekly podcast to help us dive deeper into Jesus's teachings. As we approach each of the parables this summer, we invite you to hear with fresh ears the stories Jesus is still telling us. Welcome back to the Parable Series. As part of the Asbury Beham podcast, I'm Robin White, and once again, I'm here with Michael Bowman. Hey, Michael. Hi, Robin. So we are moving along through the parables in the book of Matthew, and today we're going to talk about the parable of the unforgiving servant. Yes, it's a long one. All right, will you read it for us? Yeah, let's go ahead and jump into it. So Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 23, is where we find this parable. And Jesus is speaking. He says, For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Oh, here we go again. Happy, happy start to your day. Um, Torture and slavery and (laughs) debts. Well, I'm really mad at this slave. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) I'm so irritated, actually, that he had the gall to do that to a fellow slave after he had been forgiven. Right. Yeah, but, but I mean... This is kind of like that uh, David and Nathan, the prophet Nathan thing, yes. you know, where, oh, how's the story go? Like, Nathan's just like, man, you, you're the person I'm talking about in this story. Like, you're the evil one bringing about this evil in this world. How could you possibly be mad? <laughs> like, you know. He totally called <laughs> him out. You have no right. Um, and yet, here we are. Uh, Jesus giving a similar parable to that story, I think, of David and the prophet Nathan. Like, look, you you just had pity shown to you. Uh, the Lord over you, your you know ruler, could have easily thrown you in jail because you have a huge debt. He's going to throw you into slavery, uh, you and your wife and your kids, to sell you off. I mean, this is a huge 
huge grace that you've just been shown. Mm-hmm. And then over 100 denarii, which is much less than what he owed, you know, you're going to throw someone in jail. So, yeah, okay. So, but keep talking about what's really upsetting you here. What is it? Is it just that he, he's been shown mercy and he doesn't show mercy in return? Yes. And I know you're smiling at me. I know that everyone can't see Michael smiling, but I know he, you know, but he is, he's smiling at me. I know that this is how we act. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know this is how we are as yeah. human beings. Right. Um, but outside looking in, it's irritating. Oh, it's, it's frustrating. Anytime we see this stuff on, I mean, this stuff happens in TV shows all the time. It's like, how could you do that to her? Right. It's like, well, dude, didn't you just do that to <laughs> But that doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I did, mm, uh, I don't see myself that way. No. Yeah, again, like to keep it in line with the parables, I'm the wheat here. You know, they're the weeds. Um, and here we are. Prime example of what wheat and weeds look like playing out in this parable. <laughs> uh, so we, all right. So we, when we encounter the kingdom of God, as when we see the kingdom for what it is, our lives are then transformed. We've been shown this unbelievable grace and in that grace things change within us Mm. uh this this kind of relationship with god then for i guess for a lot of us to kind of put it in more modern language not i'm going to step away from the parable and talk about just my church upbringing for a second okay a lot of my life kind of felt like this it was rule following the christian life was uh, a set of rules that you had to follow you had to be a good person you had to be well behaved you had to read your bible pray every day these kinds of things and really what it became for me instead was just this sense of duty that I had to God mm-hmm. because God gave me life and out of guilt or shame or this sense of duty to be a certain type of person that really it was like so-and-so was telling me to be from church or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't change anything within me. It just kind of became this like task that I had to go about, this checklist that I needed to check off so you that I could get about my some day. rules. Rules. I was a rule following and mm-hmm. I was pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like... I would set that aside, knock it out in however long it took me in the morning, and then I would just go about my day and do things the way I wanted to because, well, I did my Christian thing over here. Uh, but then when, when I really, I guess, came to terms with grace, how loved I really was, uh, desire is what took over duty. Mm-hmm. I wanted to spend time with God. I wanted to follow Jesus around and see what it was that was so intriguing about him, to to learn more about this kingdom that he said was now available and present to us. I wanted to become like Jesus. Who is there better to emulate your life after than Jesus? I mean, people who aren't even Christians would argue the same. Like, Mm -hmm. Jesus seemed to be pretty great. And yet, what once was this uh, dutiful, almost militaristic, like, way of life for me where I had to kind of stay inside the lines changed drastically due to the overwhelming joy that I began to experience through, I guess it was the acceptance and the mercy of God that I saw in Jesus for me, (laughs) you know? Do you think that you sat for a long time with it in your head? Oh, totally. And I still do. You know, and, and you followed the rules and you and you read and you gathered all the knowledge, yep. but it wasn't until you let it right. transform your heart. Right. Let it kind of seep into your heart that you felt that change. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So the Lord's Prayer. This is where I th- I think we could have stopped. Jesus could have stopped early in this parable and ended with the this, you know, the servant's master taking pity on him 
canceling the debt and letting him go. Mm-hmm. We could have been done there. But for some reason, Jesus keeps going. Mm-hmm. Most of our Christian stories feel like that, that salvation moment. I was baptized into the faith. I'm good now. Right. Uh, the blood of Jesus covers me. I'm no longer sinful. It's all wrapped up in a bow. Right. It's done. Your whole life, yeah. It's over. I'm saved. That's it. Doesn't matter what I do from here on out, right? Uh, Doesn't matter how I live my life, the kind of person I am. No, I've been saved. I've been saved. I I walked down the aisle. I prayed the prayer. Mm -hmm. And this is beautiful stuff, by the way, if this is your story. I'm not knocking on it, but this is like how uh, often how we warp Christian theology, I think, and and the life of a Christian. We make it about that one moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you come to church ever again, whatever, like you had that moment, you've been baptized into the faith and it's done. And yet, the story doesn't end there. Because then he goes, I mean, literally, according to this parable, it seems, right after he showed mercy and all his debt is canceled and he's let go, it says, but when the servant went out, he found, I mean, mm-hmm. he walked away and found one of his fellow servants who actually owed him a little bit, 100 denarii, or another way to say that might be 100 silver coins, and he immediately grabs him by the throat. <laughs> To choke him. That didn't take long. Five seconds, maybe. You know, you've just been demonstrated. What's just been demonstrated to you is an incredible grace and mercy. And immediately it's like, that's out the window. I've been saved and now it doesn't matter how I act. That seems to be what Jesus is hitting at. Hey, it's, it's more than just a moment. So you bring up a really great point. So oh, thank you. Yes, good job. <laughs> Sometimes we do have this church moment where we think, okay, look at me. I'm a good person. Right. I, I know God. I know Jesus. I've done the whole, you know, if, if you uh, did the accepting thing or, or you just kind of know where you are. And a lot of times we feel like that, especially on Sunday mornings in church around other people. But as soon as we leave here, it's, sometimes it's all chaos again. That waitress is having a hard time at the lunch rush and she didn't get to your table right away. Yeah. And you're frustrated. Yeah. I'm not going to give her a good tip. Sometimes it even starts before that for us. Sometimes we will literally walk out of the sanctuary, get in our car, and start arguing about what we're (laughs) going to have for lunch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Sometimes it's just that fast. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, now that I'm sitting with this and I've had time to think about it, I kind of like that Jesus didn't end the story after the first slave story. Mm -hmm. Because that's almost unrealistic. Right. It's not the whole story. That's not really my story. That's not what I experience. Yeah. Now he's giving an extreme example here. Yes. Right. Sure. First of all, none of us are slaves. Thank God. Thankfully. Um, that was evil and deserves to be in hell <laughs> somewhere. But, you know, I think the point of the extreme example of two slaves, a servant canceling this ginormous debt, another slave trying to choke out another one. Uh, because that guy owes him a little bit of cash um, and then throws the guy in jail. Um, you know, I think the point is to grab your attention. Mm-hmm. Wow, this story's intense. And yet it's modeling the, sim- the simple life that we might live, which exactly we can walk out of church and immediately like strike our kid in the parking lot as if that's good parenting. Mm. Or you know what I mean? Or or like or you do, you go to lunch and you just 
you get frustrated and become a passive jerk to the waitress who's mm-hmm. been working probably since 730 that morning and didn't go to church like you got to go to church and right. might be having a tough time. And yet they didn't get there right away. So their tip is going to suffer or, you know, or what have you like you go flip on the news and then you immediately line with that. Like these group of people are bad and these are good, like whatever it might be. Yeah. I think Jesus understands what life is like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but right. So, so yes. So the Christian story though, is that first bit, like we, we have chosen our own autonomy. We do want to decide what is right and wrong or good and bad for ourselves. And yet God wouldn't let us push the heaven out of earth, so to speak. Mm -hmm. God wouldn't let it go that easy. In fact, God didn't stop sharing grace and love with us to the point where he would in fact cancel our debts. Mm -hmm. If you want to use that language. But then we have a role to play. Yes. Then our lives have to actually change. We have to live. That should humiliate us, one. Uh, such debt that you owed that is now canceled and the joy or the, the mercy you've been shown should, should bring us to a place of humility uh, and joy that someone would show us such kindness. Uh, we talked about in the last episode, but that kindness then should lead us to repentance and change that maybe I need to change some things in my life so that doesn't happen again. And maybe I should change some things in my life because, oh my goodness, I was just shown such mercy. Maybe I should show someone else that mercy in return. Yeah. You know what? It kind of makes me think of uh, last week's parables, uh-huh. talking about the pearl, the treasure. Mm-hmm. You know, that so maybe, maybe that treasure could be the form of mercy. Yeah. Love, forgiveness. Yeah, absolutely. And when you find that, you're transformed by that, and you want to share it. You do. Why wouldn't you want to share it? Because those things come in abundance. Mm-hmm. Like, when you receive it, you realize how much you have, and you don't need all of it. Yeah. It's Psalm 23, you know, you anoint my head with oil, uh, my cup overflows. Right before that, of course, you know, you prepare a table, a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Well, if, my, if you're anointing my head with oil and my cup is overflowing, it isn't that I'm going to sit and eat this awkward meal in front of my enemies. No, I'm going to be able to share it with them and invite them into the meal as well. This is an unbelievable mercy that we get to just dole out to other people because we've received it. We know what it's like. We can share it with others in return. So I think you're right. Um, but he doesn't do that. No. Doesn't do that at all. Um, I think what we find, though, is those who make their way into the kingdom of heaven, at least I'm gathering from this parable, are those who are struck by that goodness and mercy and love of God. But even when we're struck with it, we can miss it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which is what's happened here. You know, he, he has missed it. He, he missed that he was given all the mercy, this abundance of mercy. Mm-hmm. And, and he could model that for someone else, and he completely missed this. His debt's been completely erased, and let, except he can't erase that debt of his fellow servant, his fellow worker, um, his fellow man, if you will. Instead, he responded by holding a small debt over that person. But there was a consequence for, for his actions. Totally. Well, he wasn't changed, and he missed the point. And in this case, I think he missed the kingdom completely. And I think he chose a different kingdom mm. instead. And the consequence is, which kingdom do you actually want to live in? Um, I think he chose the opposite of what he was offered. 
All right. So I really love what you just said. So <laughs> so let's just sit here for a second and pause <laughs> because this is not something that we've touched on yet. You, you just suggested that, that he missed this kingdom and wanted to live in another kingdom. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about that. Talk about the, the, the parody and, uh, and holding space for you know, the, the two kingdoms sure. and the choice that we have to make. Yeah, well, how long do we have? But, uh, you know, I just think <laughs> about Genesis 3. It seems the, the goodness of God's kingdom interacting with, you know, God's space, human space, the world as it was meant to be lasts for two days. Or not two days, but two pages in my Bible, two chapters in our Bibles. Uh, and then you have Genesis 3, and you have this undercurrent of another kingdom telling a different story about God and God's intent for us in this world. And this comes to us in the form of a serpent in this creation poem, narrative, whatever. And uh, we choose, we always choose our way. Mm. And uh, we want, I think it's because we naturally just love control. And, and, and that, I think, comes from a place of we want security. And we want things to go the way we think they should go. And we know best. We know best. And, you know, I, I think every one of us, I, I don't want to like come down too hard on that because I think it just feels natural yeah. and right. And yet we always find that it leaves us empty and wanting and lacking. And so this is just one of those things we see right at the beginning of our biblical narrative, these two kingdoms at work that God instilled within us this beautiful abundant kind of kingdom with ample resources. And then we have this intrusion mm. that comes along. We might call it evil. You know, you can personify it by calling it the devil. Um, but we have this darker, more sinister, uh, sly uh, version of truth that isn't, it's just half truths, mm -hmm. you know, it's not the whole truth. And it, it tempts us to use that word into believing something about God that isn't fully true into believing something about ourselves that is not true. Uh, it's halfway there. And it warps the goodness of this world and of this God into something that it was never meant to be. So we do have, according to the biblical narrative, kind of, and Paul talks about it, like we don't, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We're fighting against like these cosmic spiritual things that are, we can't even really see them all taking place, mm -hmm. but they're there. And so we do have, according to the Bible, these kind of two dominions, if you'll have it that way, or kingdoms, if you like that word better, at war against one another. And the story, as we're told, is that Jesus, who's introducing this kingdom into the world again, proclaiming this kingdom is here, but really it's here again. You know, it's now here and available to you. It's the good kingdom, as it was always meant to be, that is overtaking and getting rid of the intrusion of another one mm. that has set up shop in God's good world. And has tried to infiltrate the goodness of God. And now Jesus says, no, my kingdom is here, and it's going to win in the end. Well, it reminds me of our previous parable, of the good fish and the bad fish. Right. At the end of the age, yeah. they will be sorted. They will be sorted. And that's good news, right? It's not, it's not up to us to decide who, or who's sorted out and, or what's sorted out or whatever. When it comes to the parable of the weeds and the wheat, like the good news is that the weeds will fall away so that all that is left are the wheat. Um, the, the weeds within me will be gone eventually. And so in this case, though, that, what that's supposed to do, as Brittany Manning says, entrance in, into the kingdom is a deep gratitude for God's love and a deep wonder um, at his mercy. 
There's one of your words. I love the word but a wonder. Deep gratitude for God's love and a deep wonder at his mercy. That gives us, that opens the doors to the kingdom for us to say it that way. And yet, what this servant does is chooses another way. Mm. He rejects the entrance. And instead of deep gratitude and deep wonder, instead, he chooses his own autonomy and his own power and prestige to hold it over someone else. Mm. Right? The power, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like we have a choice. We do have a choice. And yet, at the same time, it's like Jesus is also saying, like, I refuse to let you do that. Uh, that in the end, there is a sorting, as we've talked about. But also, in the end, like, the king knows. <laughs> he finds out, you wicked servant. I canceled your debt. Look what I did for you. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Um, that he doesn't. And of course, in this parable, this is a human, it sounds like that he's talking about, in anger, he hands him over to the jailer mm-hmm. to be tortured until he should pay back all that he's owed. You know, he does say, this is how my heavenly father would treat you if, unless you forgive your brother or sister. One of the things that is very difficult for us as, as people is forgiveness. You know, it's in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us as we forgive those. There's a part we have to play. Um, and, and another part, the, the very end of that is you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Right. There's, I think it's one thing to say that and feel that. And oftentimes those are, they, they can be very far apart and that yeah. can take a very long time to come to that place yeah. of forgiveness. Definitely not something that can necessarily happen overnight. Sometimes it takes years and years and years. Mm-hmm. But he even says, you know, a little deeper than just the head knowledge of forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. It's feeling it in More your More than heart. just saying it. Well, Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus shows up a couple, or talks about a couple times things like um, uh, lust, right? Like it's, it's one thing we talk about not, he says, you know, you've heard it said, but I say to you that whole thing. It's one thing to say, like, don't commit adultery. He's like, but listen, you've already done it if you've lusted after them in your heart. It's one thing, you know, you've heard it said, don't murder. And, and that's great. Please don't. <laughs> but it's another thing to be the kind of person who doesn't even think about doing such things, whose heart has been changed and softened. I mean, biblical language. It's gone from a heart of stone, as Ezekiel talks about, to a heart of flesh, <laughs> right? That your heart now is more human than it was before. It's, it's more in line with the value and life that is in the kingdom, you don't even want to lust after that person, much less commit adultery with them. You don't want to even be so angry at them that you would even consider harming another individual, much less just murder them. He actually makes it harder. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the Ten Commandments daunting, are easy. The more you talk. Ten Commandments are easy. <laughs> just don't go have sex with that person who's not your wife or husband, and don't go kill that person over there just because you're mad at them. Like, that sounds, I could probably get by. Probably I not could probably do, do that. that. Right? But then Jesus says, yeah, don't even lust after them because then you've already committed adultery in your heart. Don't be angry at them because if you are, then you've already killed them in your heart. So here we are again. It's one thing to say you forgive somebody, but to truly forgive your brother or your sister in your heart, that's what we're, that's what we're after. To be a person whose lives are so changed by the forgiveness they've been shown and given that they can then, because they know what it's like, can then share that forgiveness with others. I like what Jesus said. That's what we're after. 
Yeah. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. That doesn't mean we're always right. going to get there. Right. But it's something that we could strive for. Well, and, and in line with this parable, it doesn't just stop when we were forgiven. We salvation plays out every day for us Wesleyans, especially. That's what we believe about salvation. It wasn't just that moment. It plays out through a lifetime. Mm-hmm. As does forgiveness. As does, by the way, discipleship. When mm-hmm. we talk about discipleship. Uh, discipleship doesn't work until the person you're discipling goes and disciples somebody else. It's not over until they're discipling somebody else. And then, by the way, you move on and disciple someone, and then that person goes and disciples someone else. It's just this continuous daily thing. Um, so, And disciple are. means, that could just mean showing love to someone or being right. kind to someone or sure. just modeling, reflecting God to, for someone. You're following after Jesus and helping other people see what that is you like. You could show mercy to someone. Yeah. Compassion. Forgive someone. Forgiveness. Yeah. You've been shown an immense grace. Share that with someone else. Yeah. So it's a daunting and scary sounding parable, but when it gets into it, it's like, oh yeah, he's just giving commentary on real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's all yes. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Probably all experience this. But I do think we can consider from it. Okay. So what is mercy? Let's just start there. What is mercy? How, how do you know what mercy is? Often it's because you've been shown it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So think about those moments where you've received mercy or, or experienced it in some way. Um, what was that like? And then why might understanding God's mercy be so important for a follower of Jesus? What does it cause you to do? How does it change you? How does it transform life as you know it? Mm-hmm. From your heart. From your heart. Yeah. Or back to the heart. Yeah, Jesus is pretty concerned with it. So actually, I kind of like this parable. Good. Now that we've had a chance to talk through it, uh, I've come back around and uh, there's a lot to learn from it. Yeah. There's always more there. Yes. Yeah. It was one of our longer parables as far as story goes and word count, but, um, but there, it, the message is, is pretty simple. Hopefully we're right. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it's been fun to talk about. Yeah, I've been, I'm, I'm glad to share our opinions anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again for, for helping uh, walk us through yet uh, another parable in the series. Absolutely. It's always fun to get to talk with you, especially when we can hit record for others to hear it. There we go.